Hey, this is Chad Stewart from the band Faster Pussycat and creator of Devil's Crown Bloody Mary Mix. Are you sick of the same old generic wake up, break up, headache cure? Tomato juice, ice, fake flavors from a jar. Is that the best you can expect from a Bloody Mary Mix? Well, I've created a mix, tried and true, tested from countless years on the road. When you decide only the best Bloody Mary Mix will do, go to devilscrownmix.com. The one that works every time, all the time. Flavorful, spicy, all the things you need to get your head straight. Nights turn into days, wicked mornings transcend into endless possibilities. Try Devil's Crown Bloody Mary Mix. You'll think it came from the devil himself. And as a special full-on podcast offer, I'm giving you 20% off your entire purchase by typing in full-on at checkout at devilscrownmix.com. Cheers. I didn't realize we had the fucking... I hate when we have the one o'clock call. Oh. So this is the OGT oh, trick. No, this is Fleetwood Mac. Did you know that Black Magic Woman is a Fleetwood Mac song? If no. I said yes, I'd be lying. Okay, <laughs> Santana covered Fleetwood Mac. This is a Fleetwood Mac song. That's awesome. And The more you know! I'm glad we started off with a uh, music fact. Yeah. Oh, shit, we're all on. Always. We're never not on... That's true. I'm going to shut off the Peter have Green's copyright Mac. issues now. No, now if we're talking over it, right? Yeah, and it's an old live version. It's a bootleg that there no one go. will ever see. No one will ever hear. They'll never hear. see that shit. Um, hey, so I'm actually very excited today. I know I said this last week and the week before. And <laughs> since episode one. So it's a very exciting episode Well, let's just today. say every okay, time maybe we have an episode, you're excited. Maybe we're always excited. Yeah, the rest I'm, of the I'm, week, you're not. Okay, I'm always excited. Okay, I was trying to defend you. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like, I, I like what we do, and I like the people we have on. It's always an in- interesting conversation. That's true. Yeah, we've had some solid guests. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Damien just had a solid dump. <laughs> <laughs> That's evil. <laughs> It'd be worse if it wasn't solid, right? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, was it, was it a solid, like, no issues? Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> totally healthy. That's all that matters. Yeah. You're getting your fiber. This is, uh, today we have on Kelvin Roffy, who is, uh, one of the, the most sought after, uh, I, I guess you could call it uh, guitar techs, right? I, I don't, I don't so, know. Because yeah. like, I hate when people say roadie and I hate when people, but guitar tech, that's, that's like front of house engineer. Like that's the real deal. 
sixth yeah. member, unless you have a weird lineup and you have like yeah. three piece or yeah. two. Or I met Calvin. I mean, a couple years ago, but we've we've had some good times together. I don't think we've ever had bad times together. Oh, actually, we have. It was last night. I think he's on now. Dead air. You guys had a bad time last night. What happened? Well, Calvin. Hi. You there? I can <laughs> barely hear you. You can barely hear me. Here I am. How you doing? Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. Uh, explain the photo you sent to me last night. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> dude, you know, it's not every day you do a poop that's the shape of an upside down crucifix, <laughs> is it? Oh my Let's god. I know. But did you stand over the bowl one way and then the other way? Like, no, no, no. I, I you know, I was just <laughs> doing a poop. <laughs> anyway, just doing a poop. I looked down <laughs> and uh, <laughs> were you were you like? And, uh, and I gotta there, send this to Drill. <laughs> I don't know I, if anybody I'll else like, can make that sound as charming as he just uh, did, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you. But uh, honestly, I was just like, well. I want to share this with as many people as possible, but I know if I put it on the internet, I'll probably end up in, in jail or something. So I've got to, got to just send it to the people that I care most about. And I thought, I know who will love this. <laughs> I know who's going to love this. There's, there's, there's been, been, there's been so many times I've heard uh, from Tim, you know, being around him, just, oh, Calvin just sent me a poop. <laughs> well, that's nice. <laughs> I don't say it like that. I don't say that word. It's usually like, holy shit, what the fuck is this? And then he's like, yeah. Language, Damien. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you this. Who else was on that list? Because I didn't enjoy um, it. Yeah, you don't lie. Um, <laughs> my, my, a dear friend in England uh, named Dave. Uh, Dave I've known for about 20-odd years. And we've got that kind of relationship where there's like nothing is off limit. Oh, nothing shit. at all. Like, it... Uh, I mean, that, that was fairly timid in comparison to some of our conversations. Uh, so he, he got it. Uh, Jack Kenny, who's a fantastic drummer in about every band ever. And uh, again, we've, we've spent so many, so many time on, on tour, you know, just having like laughs with each other that, that he, I knew he'd appreciate it. And uh, obviously, other than Tim, the, other, the most important person I had, I had to get up and show immediately, even though she was in the middle of doing a workout class. I had to show my wife, Dee. I said, <laughs> get up. I'm like, Dee, look at this, look at this. Dude. And she was in, like, literally, she was literally sweating. She was like working out. She was, and she stopped to have a look and she was, she, she was impressed too, you know? She's impressed. Dude, I mean, you're newly married. Like, can you let it, some of the shine remain a little bit? How much more shine could I leave? I mean, this was an upside down cross shaped poo. Depends uh, on which way you're like, looking at it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> you could take that thing on tour and perspective is all the religious people would love you. Yeah. So Yeah. So charge ten dollars at the door. <laughs> this is not how I wanted this to start. It's gonna how it's in <laughs> yeah. too. Just shooting the shit, dude. Yeah, sh- <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this poop you're talking about could be the artwork for the episode. <laughs> oh my god. Let's stop talking about it. How you doing, Calvin? You you started I, it. I know you I, started the episode by asking me about I know, because you weren't on yet and so what's going on? Yeah, I mean 
if anyone, if oh any God. of want to see it, <laughs> what, what see it, hit me a message, you know, and I'll, I'll ping it over. Again, I ask you, lady. Please, <laughs> please, please, stop to stop receiving these texts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, we're doing great. You know, we have myself and we have Keelan and Damien and Ike just left the room, but, um, you know, just a different year. We started this little podcast and we've been having fun with it. And we're like, who the fuck can we yeah. call? And it's like Calvin Rafi. Ah, well, it's very kind of you. Very kind of you. I'm on, I'm honored and flattered to have been asked onto your show. So you would say that you're a musician? Would you say guitar tech? Like, what's your role? Uh, I am definitely a guitar tech. Um, I think with being a guitar tech, most most guitar techs are also kind of musicians to some degree. Um I'm certainly not like I'm certainly not like a shredder dude by any means, but I can you know I can get my hand around a few chords and and sing a melody or two. Um, I, pre- I prefer playing bass because it's got less strings to change. Um, <laughs> Wait, you're a guitar so tech? Yeah, That's your you know, job. <laughs> exa- exactly. So you know I don't want to be doing it all the time for you know for my own my own endeavors, as it were. You know. You know what? You know, I, there's things I hate in the world. Things I hate the most: getting haircut, a, going to weddings, right. no offense, b, <laughs> and changing my strings. That's it. That's the only things I hate in this world. Really? And sticks mm. and Pearl Jam. <laughs> Not sticks from Steel Panther. Uh, sticks the band. Oh, uh, dude! Did I ever tell you I worked for Sticks? No. Can we tell stories on this? And we could, yeah, I, I have no problems. Okay. Let's, wh- how is it's your podcast? You tell me what the- <laughs> I don't listen. You have a uh, name uh, out there. You're a very respected member of the uh, touring community. I, I mean, it, this was a, it was a long time ago, a very long time ago. 2005, I was just starting out as a tech. Um, and they were on tour in Europe, and their regular guy, Jimmy, who's not with us anymore, he uh, he broke his leg. And they they reached out to some musicians, and a friend of mine referred me to go out on tour with with Sticks. Um, until that point, I couldn't honestly tell you anything about the band. I knew nothing about them. Didn't know any of their songs. Didn't know where they were from or their back catalog or anything. But you know, I turned up to their show, and uh, and I was tasked with looking after the main guy, Tommy. Um, Tommy Shaw. He of the big teeth. That's correct. Also Your from Damn mate. Yankees. <laughs> Keelan stood up to say that. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you a fan? No, I fuck, I'm a fan. I I, I hate damn Yankees <laughs> and I really fucking hate Sticks. You're not a, my you're most, fan of the Nuge. I love the Nuge, but not in damn Yankees. <laughs> and and I cannot Sticks even at the time when they were huge. I hated that band, dude. Like when I was a little kid, you'd make these these shirts with these little stick-on letters, and I had yeah, one yeah. that said "Sticks Stinks," and "Stinks" was spelled <laughs> like "sticks" with the "y" and the "x." Because oh. you secretly love them. Yeah. Oh, I love that shirt. I'm gonna make that again. There you go. Yeah. Red bubble, everybody. Exactly. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> <laughs> so back to your damn Yankees now. <laughs> yeah. So how were they to work for? Uh, Horrible, like their music. It was, it was a really weird one because. I was there for two weeks. I never met any of them. I didn't see them. They didn't come in for sound check. They didn't, you know, they didn't travel with us. They were in different hotels to us, all the rest of it. Um, their crew was super nice. 
like all their crew were really nice and they, they saw this young sort of skinny English kid and I was I'm not I'm not exactly fat now but I was I was probably 10 15 pounds lighter then you know and uh they took they saw this this scrawny English young English guitar tech and they filled me with food at every opportunity they were like this guy's obviously malnourished and they had catering <laughs> on tour with them and like it was like right 9 a.m breakfast 9 15 push some cases into place 11 a.m uh like a, a, a bun or a treat you know like a french pastry or something i'm like oh god uh <laughs> 11 a.m change some change some strings 12 noon lunch i'm like oh my god i'm gonna explode by this point you know like like one o'clock change some more strings maybe do a line check then it'd be like dinner time then the show and then there's food after the show and i'm like oh my god i can't eat anymore like i think i gained about like 15 pounds on that two-week tour it was incredible um but as to how they were like i said i didn't ever really meet them the only encounter i had was on the very last day when tommy shaw came round to thank everybody on the crew and walked straight past me. <laughs> didn't even oh, look no. at me. I was that like, motherfucker. <laughs> my ears. I just. I'm like, cool. Well, I guess you. Guess he didn't either. Either a like my work or b knew who I was because I never saw him. You know, like yeah. At the start of the show, the pro- the production manager would come along and give the guitar to Tommy. You know, and uh, the rest of the time, any time we did like a guitar change, it was in the dark. So I don't actually know if he knew who i was <laughs> that is funny so how does this yeah. how does this happen that you get into being a, a tech were you in bands first yeah um it's just kind of a strange and, and sort of long story really i uh someone's someone's alarm going off somewhere better that, that was just a signal to stop talking about six <laughs> 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 but tommy sure alarm's going off um I, uh, yeah, so I, I started, I started playing in bands and stuff, you know, really, really shitty punk bands. And, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to work at a venue. There was a venue in Bedford, um, called Esquires. And I ended up sort of shoehorning myself a little job there. I was working there every sort of Friday and Saturday night. And the sound guy, a man named Simon, um, Simon Panther, he, uh, he worked as as a sound engineer for a touring band called the Choir Boys, um, I as love they were them. known in America, the London Choir Boys. Yes. Um, and he was like, he said to me, he's like, you know, we're, we're going on tour with the Choir Boys in a couple of weeks. Uh, we can't pay you, but we could do an extra pair of hands. Would you Would you want to come out? You know, I was like, what? Go on tour, like a real tour? And he was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, sure. You know. I was young and keen and just wanting to sort of do what I could, you know, and uh, he was like, well, you know, you'll be helping the drummer put his drum kit together and then after the show, putting it back away and putting it on the bus and and that's it really. And, you know, he's like, we can't pay you, but all your meals will be taken care of and we'll have a good laugh. I was like, ah, fuck it, why not? And I went out on that tour and uh, it turned out that that tour was a support tour for David Lee Roth. Um, and the first day of the tour, you know, like we, I'm there setting up this drum kit and learning how to do my job. And uh, David Lee Roth walks in, you know, big cigar. There's a band rehearsing on stage, like, "Hey guys, 
can you tell me where the stage is? I'm like, this is so, so surreal. Like, like two days ago, I was working in an office, and now I'm in, like, this arena in Glasgow talking to David Lee Ross, you know? It's like, what on earth? Um, and it was, it was sort of that week that I realised that, actually, this is, this is a viable job. This is, this is actually what some people do for a living. It's not just what people do to take... They don't just take time off from their office job and go on tour. These people just go on tour. They they work in music. And that was kind of me going, well, I don't really care or know much about drums. No offense to drummers or anything. It just, it just wasn't my thing. I I didn't, didn't know anything about them other than they were kind of a bit like Meccano, you know, like they sort of bolt together and screw up tight and they stay in one place or they should, you know, that was all I kind of really knew about it. But having played guitar and never, you know, never really sort of done anything else other than play guitar, I knew a bit about playing guitar and knew how to set up my gear. I knew how to, you know, change my strings and clean my guitar and all that sort of stuff. And just from, just from doing it myself. So I then started with the people I'd met on that tour and a few other people I'd ran into from working at the venue, just sort of solicited myself as a guitar tech. Hmm. Is it? Is it? That was a long time ago. <laughs> is it different for you because you are a lefty? To, to I know this sounds dumb, but I'm going to say it. Is it different to change string on, on a regular guitar? Not regular, but a right-handed right guitar. It's regular. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Orthodox. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes and no. Like, I mean, um, at least tuning it has to be right. It's got to be a little bit weird. Yeah, but you were just really quick. If I gave you a left-handed guitar and said, hey, can you change the strings on this, you'd manage. I can't you know, change the not... strings on my own guitar. Are you, are you kidding me? Well, that's, that's, that's my own why problem. people like me exist. I know, I'm going to hire you. i got a recording coming up. <laughs> um, yes and no. Like The only things I really notice a difference on is like once I've got it up to tension and it's, it's tuned, it's holding, you know, it's, it's always nice to sort of go and play a little bit on it, you know, and I had to sort of teach myself how to play a right-handed guitar upside down. So I had to learn chord shapes. I had to learn a few sort of licks, as it were, upside down so I could, so I could, you know, test the guitars that I'm working on. But other than that, it, you know, it didn't really, it didn't really sort of make a difference. The, other, the only other thing, of course, is that, like if I buy a, a, a toolbox that's got a guitar, you know, like a guitar workbox or something, I normally have to spend a few minutes flipping it around and making it work for, for how I would use it. That's the only difference. Do you have a go-to when you're sound checking, like a riff that you like to play? Uh, it depends. It kind of depends on the band and the artist and, and their tones and, and that sort of stuff. Like if it's like a, a sort of metal band that's in drop tuning. It's, I normally riff the end riff of Davidian by Machine Head, that big sort of chuggy riff. That's always kind of it, it's just an easy one to play, but it always sounds kind of cool. And drummers can jam it really easy. It's good for front house engineers, you know. Yeah, um, kind of, yeah it kind of depends on on the on the artist really and, and the tones that they're that they are using. I've got, I've got a few riffs. I've got a few riffs. Don't worry about it. I like to <laughs> Daniel Dunn by Entombed. That's that's a that's a cool riff nice. to uh, to rock out. It's quite again quite easy. It works nicely in down tune guitar. And stuff. So yeah, you know we got a few. So I mean, what are the um, you know 
I've heard personally, I've heard a few of the bands that you've been involved in. Um, but what is like your favorite, I guess, uh, type of style to play? Um, I don't know really. Like, I've always like, like you say, you, you've heard me sort of play, whether that be like Funeral Shakes or March of the Raptors or Fire Apple Red or The Smoking Hearts or whatever. Like, it's always kind of been punk rock. So I guess, I guess I'm sort of definitely a sort of a punk rock player. Um, I've always like, always wanted to sort of try my hand at other things. I'd like to sort of definitely like to try playing in a really heavy band. You know, like a like sort of some sort of grindcore buzz like. Nasum, uh, nails, sort of all pigs must die. Something that sort of yeah. that sort of heavy would I've always thought would be fun, um, but I haven't. <laughs> I don't even know if I could. Like I feel like some of it's so fast and and so thrashy, but I think I'd be alright. Um, I don't think it's that much different to punk. It's just a bit lower, you know. Um, right. But yeah, I guess I play mostly play punk, I suppose. But you know, I, certainly in terms of bass, I always enjoy. I always enjoy that part when it comes to playing bass. It's, it's kind of a fun thing because you adding you not only you're adding the bottom end as it were, but you're also adding like the heaviness of the band. Like the heaviness really comes from the bass. You take the bass away from any any rock band, whether it be just rock or classic rock or punk or heavy metal or or like even heavier than that, you know, grindcore or whatever. Like it it doesn't sound heavy if you take the bass away. Yeah, and true. that was kind of what drew me to playing. That's kind of what drew me to playing bass and that and the fact they only had four strings. And um, Wait, are you telling me Injustice for All is not heavy? Because it's not. Oh, please don't get <laughs> started on Injustice for All. I, Tim, we, we've, we've fallen out on, on Injustice for All and we'll fall out again. You know I love Injustice for All. You what know I love Injustice for All more than... You know I love Injustice for All more than I love most people. Like, <laughs> g- genuinely, genuinely, uh, when it gets... If I listen to Injustice for All and it gets to the end of the album, I have to really resist the urge to put it back on again. I love Injustice for All that much. I could take Injustice for All and discard all of the rest of Metallica's back catalogue in a heartbeat. Oh, I could discard all of them around. in a heartbeat. <laughs> Beat me to it. Yeah, yeah. but... You know, you're just too cool, aren't you, Tim? You're uh, too cool. Oh, he said Here it. We go. <laughs> when you when you have warrant in the world, why do you need Metallica? That's Keelan Ellis, everybody. I'll give you his phone number. Right. Blow me up. I mean, I I know that you mentioned the bands that you're in, but I don't think a lot of people know you've also done tours. You you've played on stage um, in Hailstorm and Bullet for My Valentine. Yeah. So yep. How, how yep. did that come about? Uh, I was I was a guitar tech for well a bass tech for Bullet for My Valentine, um, and the bass player at the time Jay he'd had uh, he'd recently had a, a, a child, and the child had got ill, and he just come to me one day he was like, mate my my baby's really sick and I need to fly home, would you be able to play the bass parts? I was like yeah you know, I knew that you know I'd been with them for three three years or so by that point I knew the songs it wasn't a matter of learning the songs, it was just a matter of picking up a guitar and learning the parts, you know. And he was like, yeah, and the vocal parts I do, I was like, oh, okay, that might be a bit more challenging because I don't really pay that much attention, you know. And I was like, when are you thinking? He's like, could you do the show tomorrow? And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know, and one sort of 
fairly mild panic attack later, he's on a plane home and I'm in the hot seat, as it were. So that was when we first met, in fact, Tim. Yes. And that was the first words I spoke to you was after that show, actually, because we were on tour together and I didn't, I met you the first day in production, I think, and I'm not going to say any names. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you made a comment about someone on my, in my camp at the time, and I agreed with you. And then <laughs> we didn't really speak that much because everyone's doing their own thing. But I remember, I think we were in Canada, and, you know, I, I never watched Bullet. It's not my cup of meat, as I like to say. But I walked by and I saw you up there and it sounded different. It sounded better and it looked way better. No offense, Jay. I hope everything's okay. But, you know, it just looked and everything. And after after a while, I was just like, I saw you afterward. I was like, yeah, it was a great show, man. And you're like, fuck off, wanka. I was like, whoa. I love this guy. I did not say, I did not say that. I know. But no, it, it was. I'm a, I'm a gentleman. It, it was a huge addition to it. And I think it was that night. I think it was Toronto and you came on our bus and then. My, at and the time, he, and then he walked up. Yeah, <laughs> and the iPod, you know, it was the iPod days, and you're looking at it, and you're like, "Who the fuck's iPod is this?" Because we had all the same music, right? Mm-hmm. And we started our love affair, which was gross. Right. It's all, oh. Look at this shit I just took. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I crowd surfed from the front lounge to the back lounge and back again. That yes, <laughs> that was that was usually Go. our bus that all the parties were on. <laughs> So from the bands that you played in, I mean, obviously I'm a fan of both. I, I think they're both great. Um, the other one, like you said, is like way more straight up punk, like just in your face and, and everything. And then this, you know, from, I don't know if I'm missing other bands, so I apologize. But, you, um, you know, the, the other band that you took on and you, you were the singer, I thought that was awesome. And I just, yeah. I, I didn't know that you could sing like that. So that was really cool. It was just. <laughs> Me either. Well, funny, funny thing was, I was about to say like, so I sent I sent Tim some funeral shake songs and uh, I sent him some demos and stuff and uh, and it was it was nearing sort of release time and I was sending some stuff over and he's like yeah this is great what's your singer's name I was like uh, Calvin and he's like, no, no way you're in a band with another dude named Calvin that's a true story that's a true story because so I didn't think in a million years he yeah. could sing like that. Yeah, well, again, it was just like we didn't, we didn't know anyone that could sing. Like, I, I was from, you know, I obviously I don't live there now, but I, I lived in a small town in rural Bedfordshire. You know, like we didn't know that many musicians between us, and uh, you know, we didn't know anyone that that we wanted to be in a band with that could sing. You know, we'd had, you know, we'd had different singers with the old band, and and it wouldn't have worked with either of them, and it was just like, well. We didn't really know anyone. I was like, well, I mean, I'll, I'll just do it on the demos for now and we can try and figure it out. And the, the demos evolved into real recorded versions. And there I was still the singer. So I guess that's kind of how it worked out. I never, like, I didn't mind being the guy at the front. Like, I always, I, was, I felt quite, like, at ease with being a front man, as it were. But I dreaded recording. Like I, I genuinely dreaded recording. And even now, like even if I write songs at home or whatever, when it comes to recording vocals, I'm just like, nah, I can't be bothered. And that's when my that's when my enthusiasm for a song sort of dies when I actually have to record the vocals on it. Because I'm like, I ne- I just didn't enjoy the process. I didn't enjoy like the intense focus on on 
every word, every sort of note being, it's like, it's not like playing a note on a guitar where there's only so many ways of playing it. You know, there's, when you're, when you're singing, like everything is like, you have to get the right pitch. You have to get the right yeah. length of note. You have it's to get like the playing right a tonality bass. on your, you have to get the right tonality on your voice. You have to get, um, you know, the right diction of the word, the right pronunciation of the word. There's so many like, different factors when it comes to singing and I just I just didn't really enjoy it that much like well, but then when it comes to being live I really enjoyed like that part of it I enjoyed being at the front I enjoyed like I enjoyed being the master of ceremonies of the band as it were I, I so I very much felt, felt comfortable doing that I just didn't really enjoy the recording process I mean you, you threw a lot out there for singers but let's understand they don't do anything else <laughs> I'm so I'm right now. <laughs> uh, well, I definitely Cal- gained a lot of respect for singers. Uh, Calvin, back to your point about uh, like tracking, right? It is weird hearing your own voice, especially like for the first time when you're tracking, and there's that whole thing you mm-hmm. have to get over, and you know your voice being your instrument, it's it's a whole different yeah. element. You can't just like t- retune it like strings. It's got to be on point. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's tough. And then you bring up a good point about like, you know, having the right, the cadence and everything like that, because a lot of people don't think about that. I don't think, or at least as much as they should, because it is an important part of the writing process. And, you know, when someone's listening to your lyrics, it's, you know, sometimes you might not really have that same effect if you don't have the right timing when it comes to, you know, laying down the vocals. Now, yeah, for sure. There's just, there's just so much to it. Like you can't just, like it's not like playing a riff on a guitar it's just completely like it's a completely different thing and and i have so much more respect for people that can sing having been a, a singer and also like you there's nowhere to hide like there's nowhere yeah. to hide your your instrument is the voice generally unless like you know you're in a in a more sort of hardcore band or like a sort of more metal band like your voice is front and center in terms of the mix like Especially recording. Yeah, everything else is like fitted around you and and your voice and and what brings out the best tones in your voice and and vice versa. And it was it was just very strange for me. I'd never never experienced that before. It is funny because like people will a lot of times say, "Ah, I would like that band except for the singer." But you don't say that about the drum. (laughs) I do about Pantera about the drummer, but it's just like a lot of people. You know what I mean? It's like. You can like a, a, a singer will make or break a band if, yeah, if you're going to listen to it or not. It, like, I think Axl yeah. Rose is the worst singer I've ever heard in my entire life other than the guy in Motley Crue. I could never <laughs> listen to Guns N' Roses because of that guy's voice. But some people think he's great. I don't know. You know? <laughs> There's Keelan th- not talking in the microphone. <laughs> um, so before that, you, you had a band uh, with a bunch of people that I love, uh, Smoking Hearts, and... I will say I've had tons of fun on tour my whole life. Like I've had, I should write a book, but that tour of Texas we did, that was the best time I've ever had in my life. I think we've heard a lot of stories (laughs) about it, but is there any, anything from that tour that you want to talk about that maybe we didn't hear? Yeah. Anything you can talk about. Yeah. Great to hear. (laughs) How was the barbecue out there? There's lots of things we can talk about. I, I think for me, the the thing I will take from that tour was that was the first time I ever really, uh, really learned how to 
drive and stop driving without stopping the vehicle. Yes. You know, we we learned. <laughs> Tim and I learned how to how to swap from the driving seat to the passenger seat. Oh god! How um, fast? That's amazing. <laughs> Some fast. Yeah. We're almost going 100 miles an with hour, a, and we're like, let's switch. Dude. With, with a trailer. Yeah, van, <laughs> van and trailer, whole band behind dude. us. Balls to the walls, dude. Yeah, Get dude. it. We were just going. <laughs> because I, I drove as far as I could. It. I was going to pass out, and Calvin's like, I'm driving. I'm like, all right, let's switch. <laughs> Do you guys play with cancer bats that run, or, or am I wrong? Uh, yeah, I think we did, yeah, I think we did the show with them yeah, in, there's, in Austin. Yeah. Like yeah. a South by Southwest thing. I it think. was all it was all South by Southwest. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Um, but you guys were treated like kings by like Kelly Cap and Live Nation, which was great. I love Kelly Cap. Yeah, she's a wonderful person. It's funny because like yeah, people like Kelly Cap, the Marine Valker, and your wife, um, the famous Detroit, who people would know if you've been around Hailstorm and Angelica from DWP. Like I, th- I really think that you know in a time. When there's, there's, you know, we've been through the Me Too and that, and but women run the touring industry, and it would not run as efficiently if the women didn't run it. And I, I love those strong women that we've all been around in that industry, including your wife. I don't want to get too much in your personal life, but I think it's a, it's a big deal. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. And I think, uh, I think we're living in a good time. I think we're living in a time where, where people are actively trying to change like actually try and change the the idea that this is only um, a men's industry because that that is bullshit isn't it and let's be fair no one no one wants to just be surrounded by a bunch of dudes for for four months a year in a van or a bus like it's just unpleasant like it's nice to have people around like it's nice to have ladies around it's nice that it's nice just to have good people it's but it is it's true it's like it's good to have good people and you know we shouldn't be thinking like men and women who should be who's the best person for the job yeah for sure and quite often quite often it has to be said that the women are as good as the men in anything like and it's so easy to like because for such a long time this has been a male dominated industry you know and even now I don't know many female guitar techs I don't know many female drum techs um but I'm starting to see more female lighting engineers I'm starting to see more female front of house engineers i'm starting to see female tour managers more 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 female tour managers you know and yeah people like my wife doing do, getting bigger and bigger roles <clears> and, <throat> and it, it's important it's important that you know that that happens because you know dude it it's stupid it, it, it's so stupid to think that to think that it has been like it has been for as long as it has been you know yeah it should always be the best person for the job and i think sometimes we all know some guys that are in positions that were you know like why are you in that position maybe that's just circumstance you know but you're fired (laughs) (laughs) hot take (laughs) james like we can cut that right yeah yeah Yeah, it's just a little i mean i don't know how we got there but it's it is true and and it does need to be said um so getting back to you you know growing up like what was the first stuff that got you into music like you you First of all, explain to me because I've uh, you've already said twice and you said Bedford and you said Bedfordshire, right or Shire? Yeah. What's what's the difference? Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm sorry, I'm just being that. Because <laughs> you oh, now live in Nashvilleshire. Um, <laughs> I do live in Nashville Shire. In, uh, in Ken- 
in Middle in, Earth. In Tennessee Shire. <laughs> yeah, Tennessee Shire. Yeah, lay this out. I... Um, so the difference. Um, so like Bedford is the city, or oh, it's really just a large town. Um, but Bedfordshire is like the county. Um, so it's like saying Hollywood, Los Angeles. Uh, okay. You know, oh, got it. like. Um, I mean, Hollywood, oh, yeah, California. But, no one says Hollywood, Los Angeles. <laughs> but technically, what are you, a foreigner? Hollywood I, is in L.A. County. I think that's what he's trying to say. Oh, okay. Right? Exactly. That, yes, I thank got you. you. Thank I got you. you. Dude, I'm trying. Despite being disrespectful <laughs> right now, he's not exactly. <laughs> bad night last so night. So that's like the difference. Okay. Yeah. It's good oh, to yeah. know. Yeah, it's good to know. Um, see, I was I was born or raised in a in a even smaller town than Bedford, a little place called Shepherd. Um, and I, I had an older brother. Well, I still have an older brother. His name's Dave. And uh, he's like a few years older than me. He's like 13 years older than me. But he was always really invested in the live music scene at Bedford. And he would always go to shows and he'd always come home with like mountains and mountains of records and vinyls and CDs and all, and all this stuff. And, you know, as a, as a young kid, I kind of looked up to that, you know, he'd always go, oh yeah, I saw that band at Esquire's last night, Esquire's being the venue, you know, and that, oh yeah, I saw this band at Esquire's, and, you know, and then like, you'd see them like, they'd be on top of the pops or something, they'd be on a TV show, or they'd be on like, the main stage poster for Reading and Leeds Festival, and be like, oh yeah, I saw them at Esquire's, I saw them at Esquire's, and I'd be like, as a kid, I'd be like, wow, you're the coolest person in the world, you saw all these bands, and like, you know, and I just always looked up to that, and, that kind of always kind of motivated me into music. My dad and my parents were always into music too. You know, my dad, my dad's a massive Queen fan, you know, would go and see Queen whenever they played. And he'd take my little brother, uh, take my older my brother and I'd be like just stuck at home, like not able to go because I was too young. And I'd be like, you know, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I guess I was, that, that's what drew me to live music, to live music as a kid. And, uh, and just sort of stealing CDs from my brother's collection when I was sort of, you know, sort of eight or nine. And and that sort of got me interested in, in music. And, you know, he was always interested in like heavy metal and, and and that sort of thing. You know, this was like late 80s, early 90s, you know, so he was he was big into that sort of sort of British thrash scene and, and bands like that. So I was always kind of brought up on sort of really well, sort of heavier music. And... My, again, it all kind of ties in together. Like my parents, when Freddie Merc- when Freddie Mercury passed, my parents went to the Freddie Mercury tribute concert. Wow. My brother went as well, and and I, I was too young to go, so I remember watching it at home on the TV with my with my nan and granddad babysitting me, you know, and just being a kid. And I picture and you dressed as Fre- I picture you dressed as Freddie watching it as a little kid, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a little mustache. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love Caterpillar. Sorry. Anyway, Metallica was maybe cool. maybe, uh, maybe keep your thoughts to yourself on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you, um, because obviously you, you like Metallica or at least Injustice for All. Um, it, where was like the, the biggest influence? Was it mostly, um, you know, from like British, like heavy metal? Or did you like a little bit more of like the thrash stuff that was going on in America or? Like what really like uh, brought I mean, you to like want to play music in the in the scene that you're playing in? 
as a kid, like as a kid, uh, I, I heard this phrase once, and it, it resonates. So it, I was a bit of a music sponge, you know, like when you're when you're a young kid, you will just absorb whatever's kind of put in front of you and, and take bits of all of it, you know. So like I was you know, at the age of like 10, 11, 12, 13, even like, I was just, whatever was put in front of me, my brother would bring home CDs and his friends would bring home CDs. And it was back in the tape swapping days as well. You know, they would, they'd come home, like one of them would have the new Rage Against the Machine album on tape. So he'd lend it to my brother. And in turn, I would end up getting a copy of it, you know? And like, you just end up like absorbing everything that's kind of presented to you. Yeah. Whether that being like, old Iron Maiden records or Halloween records or like, you know, Metallica albums or the first Faith No More records or whatever it was, like all of those things that would, would go through my brother's stereo would then go through the wall and I would hear them all and sort of take them in and just be like young and excited about it. And and it was all of those things, I guess. Like there was never any, any one thing that sort of, that sort of made me more impression or like more interesting music yeah i was just it was just like all these things just it just hit you at a young age and you're like okay well music's great isn't it like and you you get into it and that becomes what you're interested in some kids are interested in football and some kids are interested in painting and some kids are interested in skateboarding and i was just interested in music i mean you, you can't underestimate the having people in your life that you look up to, like with your parents, your mom, your dad, sister, brother, someone in your life that's really into music because then you get to get to the stuff way ahead of people, like way ahead of schedule. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that, you're I, not relying I, on your peers. It's like yeah. people that have been there, done that. And yeah, I was the same with my older brother, and I was into such great music because of him way before anyone else because they, they've been through it all. And yeah, and Damien, you're right. It's not the peer group. It's people older, so they know what's up. Yeah, it's like when you hang out with your older brothers, you, you're like a little bit more mature or maybe you're not, maybe you're crazier, but you have like a little more life experience than people that are growing up around you that are either, you know, don't have siblings or, don't you know, have that older influence. Yeah. And then I know you have a love, I mean, Calvin. I'm sorry, go ahead. I mean, I'm saying just to lead on from that. And in turn, like, um, obviously, you know, Nobba who played guitar in Smoking Hearts. Um, I, I lived at 26 George Street. And Nobba and his family lived at number 29 George Street. And he was like a year and a half younger than me. So we'd always like ride bikes in the street or, you know, play football in the garden or whatever. Like we'd always just hang out. But, you know, in terms like my brother would lend me tapes or CDs from his collection and I would listen to them and, you know, I'd be like totally and totally like amazed by them all. And then I'd go over Nobba's house and be like show him them, you know. And so like, it's not just like the people that my brother's age and his friends that would give to me, I would then pass them on to him. So, so this little, sort of almost like a, if you imagine it like a mountain, like they were like the rain at the top, but at the bottom was like me and Nobba, like just collecting the rainwater of music that that comes our way. And and then he starts playing guitar because because of the CDs are open on the tapes I've shown him and has been shown by my brother to me. And it, it's a weird one, but it all kind of like ties in together and, and the musical, that the progression of music from one person to the next person to the next person. I don't know if that happens now because, you know, there's the, the Spotify and the Amazon and, and all that sort of stuff. And you kind of, you know, you don't have to 
you don't get fed a diet of music like you you maybe once were like you know I was the music that I listened to was what my brother showed me mm-hmm. and what my parents showed me and whereas now I think anyone can just open up open up a Spotify and just hit shuffle and you can hear everything you know yeah and that, and that's that is a shame and there there will be drastic effects to the quality of music if if you are right on that because you're right music the best way it's it's given to people is handed down. It's it's no different than tales around a fire from, you know, ancient days, and that's how yeah. people told stories, and that's music. That's why things that kind of fell. Not that I'm a huge Beatles fan, that things that fell in the, the original purview of of the Beatles. That songwriting, even if it was on AM radio, was so great because they were telling those stories that they heard passed down to them. And now we're at a mm. point where if there is nothing, and you you first saw it happen in white vocalists in rock bands because once they got away from the soul singers like rod stewart and those guys trying to be black soul singers and they wanted to all just be david Lee roth there's no soul left so then you get the vince neils and and the axel roses and those guys who have no soul to their voice and it's just going to happen to all of music now damn dude well said Woo! but i do think that there's always going to be that influence that you have from like family members and and you know older but maybe eventually then the older sibling won't you know growing up now won't have that same connection to music, so I think that's a good point. I just, I just remember like, I remember being like a young kid, and I'd be playing with my Scalectrics or whatever, you know, like, and I remember having like a choice of eight vinyls, you know, and I had like three Iron Maiden records, like uh, a Faith No More record, uh, a Halloween record, or whatever. Like, I just remember having those records on vinyl as a young kid, and that's what I had to choose from. You know, I had a choice of eight albums or 10 albums or a small amount, relatively a small amount of music. Uh, I mean, that's a lot for an eight-year-old kid to have a choice of, but in the grand scheme of things, eight albums aren't a lot of music. And, you know, and having, and I listened to, I listened to every note of every record because that was what I had. And I I went through and I, you know, even now, if I put on Live After Death, the live album from Maiden, I probably would know the running order once it started playing because I'd listened to it so many times as a kid. But again, I just don't know that I don't know that people will have that connection with music anymore because it's it's so available. And that's a good thing. Like it's a good thing that that music is so available and that that good artists can can reach a lot of people. That's a good thing. But it's also like for me as a kid like would i have listened to live after death a hundred times well probably not you know yeah yeah i mean like even just like the little things like ike and i when we were growing up you know there'd be a minivan and and the cd would get stuck and we have like never mind the bollocks in there for the whole summer and we couldn't get it out and you know so it's like that's what we listened to for the whole summer like every time we turn on the car you know like and so that's I'd a true story, but it was a Blink-182 CD. Dude, <laughs> do not besmirch our name on the podcast. Tim. It was never mind the bullets, Tim, okay? Do you, <laughs> do, you, do you remember, Tim, or on that drive from uh, from Texas to, to L.A., do you remember what I made you listen to for the entire journey? Yes, Extreme. <laughs> you you love the band Extreme for some reason. That's, that's <laughs> that band is fucking horrible. I'll he never still forget. listens to it. Yeah, yeah. I guess we're canceling our interview with Nuno Betancourt. <laughs> Dude, 
everything we just talked about about handing music down goes out the window when we talk about <laughs> that fucking story. <laughs> We're trying to get home to LA. It's like 22 hours straight drive, no get. Remember We're we probably had no driving get. faster. Yeah. It's horrible. Thank you, Kelvin. So so you go from you know, <laughs> Just hold. Just let it, know, let yeah. him let I him just, get it out. I just <laughs> remember. I just remember so how mad. angry you were. With so me. mad. And I was having the best time. You I was were. just sitting in the driver's seat, like. Well, no, you you I, have this I, thing. I still love those records. You, like, I still love those records. I'm completely fine with it. Listen, but you were just sitting in this passenger seat, steam coming out of your ears. Yeah, <laughs> dude, my beans were steam because you know what? You don't just listen. You fucking sing the songs to my face. <laughs> <laughs> And no one wants a song <laughs> or an album called Porno Graffiti sung to their face, <laughs> dude. <laughs> well, and you, and yeah, you did you it with an album that I do love, Paul Stanley's Live to Win. Let's, let's not forget that. <laughs> Frustrated. <laughs> yeah, right? Calvin would come on a bus and he would read the lyrics and he would tell you the story of what Paul was going through. <laughs> Paul, Paul still has stories? It's <laughs> amazing. There's a lot going on with you, Calvin Roth. Love it. Let's get back to yeah. to uh, your uh, profession. So you did work um, sure. with Ghost when Ghost was still a mystery, which was pretty cool. Nice. Yes, I did. That's good a job. Good answer. And that's uh, it. Let's uh, move on to the next yeah. question. <laughs> next. <laughs> yeah, I worked, for, I worked for them for for three and a bit years or so. Um, I did the end of the second Papa, yeah. and I did all of the third Papa until... Until who was dead? Um, Is it Papa or Papa? The not- <laughs> potato, potato. <laughs> I'm just gonna do like, like, got- <laughs> Did you hear? He's like, why have you got to do your day? Hey, hey, dude, you live in Nashville now. It's not potato. It's tater. <laughs> tater. Mashed <laughs> <Fried> potatoes. <laughs> um, I haven't been here long enough to pick up the. Uh, oh, I can't wait not. though. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I worked with Ghost for three hundred years. Um, guitar Tech. Uh, I during that time, uh, during that time, I saw four bass players. Was it five? Five bass players. Four or five bass players. Three drummers. Four keyboard players. Five lighting guys. There was a lot of change. Yeah. There was a lot of change in that time. Um, which is a shame. You know, it was a shame because you, you develop. You develop a relationship with a guitar player or guitar players, as it was, you know, and uh, and then the next tour is completely different, you know, and you've got to then learn your new guitar player again and learn their little nuances and the way they play and and the way they want their, their stuff set up and you have to adjust your gig. So even though it was technically the same band for three and a half years, it was, for me at least, it was a different band every sort of, after the first two years, every sort of few weeks, you know, there'd be someone different and it would change. And That's got to be It was tough. fine. Like, it was, yeah, it was just an interesting time. Like, it was an interesting time. I, I enjoyed a lot of it and there was a lot of it I didn't enjoy. Like, there was, the fans are kind of somewhat culty, which is, you know, cool, I guess. Um, I, I definitely, I definitely enjoyed the mystery of it a little bit. You know, people would You'd get a lot of people asking weird questions, you know, people like, so I, uh, I heard Dave Grohl's playing. And I'm like, oh, did you? Is that true? Is it, is it true that Dave Grohl's playing guitar? And I'm like, 
I can confirm it's not Dave Grohl playing guitar. <laughs> oh my God, Dave Grohl's playing drums. <laughs> Oh, it's amazing. And a lot of people thought you were you know, uh, Papa, for you know what I mean, when you'd walk around. Yeah, that that happened for a little while. I mean, we... Of course, your shirt said, I'm Papa, but... <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name is Papa. <laughs> <laughs> I walked around with a, with a big hat. And a, and a, and a <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know, we, we, we're similar in, in height, and... And we both had sort of slick back black hair, you know. So we there were there were physical similarities between myself and Tobias. Um, you look so, more yeah, you would, look more like would. you would think he would look. I'm gonna be honest. Like when you see him, like oh shit, because because he wears like a like fake hair on stage too, right? Yeah, the the whole thing's a mask that goes from his neck to all around. Yeah, so from his neck upwards, it's, it's a mask. So if if I didn't know you two guys and they put you and Tobias in front of me and said which one is him, I would say it was you, no problem. <laughs> is that because I have a burning church tattooed in my chest? <laughs> yes, it is. Because your entire torso is covered by a burning church tattoo. Upside down crosses. <laughs> <laughs> you think the guy would be happy? He's living a charmed life. This guy. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good time. It was a good time. Um, and then you go to Architects but, and their crazy tunings. Yeah, dude. I, I can honestly say that I, I didn't realize how much I wasn't enjoying touring until I started working with Architects and realized how much happier I was, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't realize how touring with Ghosts had become a job. You know, it, it just... It's not like a bad thing. It's not. I'm not casting like any shade on them in any way. It was just, it had become a job. Like the show was the same, and it was just, it was Groundhog Day for three years. You know, mm-hmm. minus changing guitar players. You know, whereas when I started working with architects, all of a sudden I was touring with people that had genuine compassion and were caring and were loving and, were, and really, really great people. I can't say enough nice things about the boys in that band not just the boys in the band but the boys in their crew as well like they're all just the sweetest bunch of guys um and uh i really really like really enjoyed touring with that band and uh they've got a new album coming out like came out this week in fact uh yes and it's looking like it's going to do really well it's it's charting it looks like it's going to chart well and they deserve it they really do they're they're just sweet boys they've been through a lot and uh They've come out strong, and they this just good dudes. You know, when you just meet a bunch of people that you just click with, and that's them. They just just really nice people. And then I know that you were really close with the Avenged guys. Like, what, I don't know their name, so Spooky McGillicuddy, one of those guitar players. <laughs> Spooky McGillicuddy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what are their names. <laughs> M Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan a ding dong. I don't know. Like, if you have a fake name, I'm gonna, you know, I prefer to call you by your uh, real name, Bono. Right Shadows, right? Yeah, but yeah. the guitar players—they gave you like a guitar, right? Tim, you, there's this thing they have in the world called Google, right? <laughs> okay. And Do you think I'm gonna sit down and like, what are the guitar players in Avenged Sevenfold's names? I guarantee I'm close. We'll cancel I mean, no those interviews. <laughs> no, no one will know that you've done that, and no one will think badly of you for doing that. It's, 
I would feel okay. bad about myself. It's like people are going to have to clear my browser if I die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could you yeah. imagine I die while doing it and like, oh, he was looking up Spooky McGillicuddy from his Event last, Sevenfold. His last act. <laughs> yeah. It'd be so embarrassing. Sorry, guys. Whilst listening to Extreme. Yes. Yeah, get the and funk out. And looking at the photos of your poop. <laughs> yeah. I got Calvin's feces on my phone. <laughs> I got Get the Funk Out by Extreme playing on Calvin's feed to me, and I'm looking up Spooky McGillicuddy. That's how I'm going to die. <laughs> the worst. I mean, it could, could be worse. Really? <laughs> but I know you, you were really... I mean, you're, you're very well respected in that world, and I know you'll probably... Well, you should say yes, because you know you are. And I, and I know those guys took a shine to you, and, you know, you're a pro. <laughs> I try. I try my best. Um, we did a tour. Yeah, I was, re- I was working with Bullet for my Valentine. Um, we did a tour. It was one of those, like, mayhem or uproar taste of nonsense tours. You know you know the ones um, mm-hmm. where there's, like, four, four main stage bands and, like, 10 bands in the parking lot through the day. And it was one of those tours. And uh, which, for the record, I really love those tours. Yes. Like, they were always so much fun. There was so many people around and you have the best time. And there's, it's not just touring people. You know, it's not just musicians and crew. It's, there's, there's always an entourage of, of sponsors and it's vendors. Circus. And it's always good. I, yeah, I always have a great time on those tours. And I think I think moving forward, there'll be a lot more of those because for at least for two or three years post-pandemic, people are going to be trying to catch up on their touring. And I think we're going to see a lot of, like, multi-band bills. But anyway. Um, what years did you do the Bullet t- uh, tours? Uh, I worked for them from 2008 until 2012. Yeah, uh, I think it's when when Smoking Hearts got signed. So. I, I yeah, remember I uh, interning for Sony Music around 2012, 13, and I worked on uh, Bullet Projects uh, at that time. I just oh, didn't okay. know if it was around the same area. They were great guys, but it just to me, they seemed like a metal band on a TV show. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, li- I like Harper's in the Flames. I remember that song being great. Harper's in the Harper's in the Flames or Fire? Where, that was a cool song. That's yeah. all I got on them. The singer, the, the singer used to do P90X backstage, which was funny. <laughs> okay, Calvin, let's talk about something. Else. All right. <laughs> Can we do a lightning round of questions and just yeah. and just see what you what you got? Sure. Okay, I'm gonna. I'll I'll start it off. Are you still obsessed with cheesy poofs or cheesy balls? <laughs> cheese balls. Cheese balls. N- no, I will never eat another cheese ball as long as I live. Ever. Ever again. Never. <laughs> Just the sight of one makes me want to vomit. <laughs> oh, uh, I feel like I should present I feel like I should present the backstory here yes, for the please. listeners that, that, that aren't Tim and I. Who's um, who's the next band you want to go out on tour with? Wait, he's gonna tell the. We're doing lightning round. Ra- oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we're, we're doing lightning, lightning round. <laughs> Do you love the struts? <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. My bad. Go ahead. Yeah, no. backstory. Uh, it was it was one of those uh, again. It was one of those big festivals, summer festivals. Houston, maybe. Uh, Houston yeah. open air. I remember you walking across the field. There you go. And uh, for some reason. The, the show had been called off or was, it was on, on pause due to bad weather that was 10 miles away. God, watch out. And uh, <laughs> and, so, and 
someone presented me with this big, you know, this giant Halloween-sized box of uh, or container full of cheese balls, and I was like, well, I'm just going to eat these until the show either gets cancelled or starts again. <laughs> Needless to say, I ended up finishing the thing and and have never never wanted to look at a cheese ball ever again. So so we're on one side of the festival, and here comes Calvin from the exact opposite side, like. Five American uh, football. I'm just going to say football. <laughs> yeah. Five football, not soccer fields. And he's just walking this huge thing of cheese balls, man. And we're with Sky Boys in, who I met for the first time. And she's like, what does he have? I'm like, I think it's cheese balls. And he's eating them the whole way like, like the conquering king. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then by the end of it, you could just see it in his face. He's like, oh, no. And just oh. for the record, I think both football <laughs> fields are the same size. Are they really? I think. Okay, just for the record, there's only one football. Football. Yes. Right, Calvin? We both agree on that fact. Thank yes, you. There is only one type of football. Yeah. And it's American football. Okay. No, it's not. So, so <laughs> what? No, no, no. I'm going to tell a quick story. So we're, we're on the way to Texas, right? And, and we have the Smoking Hearts, and there's Cody, Root, and, oh, and, Cody. and a couple other people. Um, and we stop. They have a soccer ball and a football. By the in five minutes, everyone's just playing with the actual football, and no one's playing soccer. <laughs> so, I rest my case. <laughs> Great story. Yeah, I know. I realized when I started it, like, why am I even telling this right now? That's why I've learned to keep my mouth shut because I got <laughs> nothing but word vomit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so lightning round. So my next question was going to be <laughs> the thunder round. You you mentioned um, you know everyone wanting to get back on the road with COVID going on and all that. Um, yeah. What's what would be like the next thing you want to be a part of? Because I'm sure there's a bunch of people reaching out to you as soon as tours come back, they want you involved. So what what would be your, um, I guess preference? Like who do you want to go out with? Um, I don't really know. Actually, that's a uh, something I've not really given any thought to. Um, hmm, who would be fun? I don't know. I I think I think I'd. <laughs> I think I'd really like to go out and do one of those tiny tours where everything's really sweaty and people are jumping on each other's heads every night. That'd be great fun. Um, Because those are the shows I've missed most. So I'm going to say, let's say sick of it all because they're never bad. They're never bad. The shows are always fun. Like, and it just, yeah, I think, yeah, sick of it all. Why not? Let's be sick of it all. Can we tell the story real quick about Texas? I think it was the nail show, and um, Maddie had your stuff, and he dropped them down the oh, toilet. Wow. <laughs> oh, dude, my my ears perked up. <laughs> dude, the worst. That poor kid. So we'd gone to see. I think it was Black Breath. Yeah, it's Black Breath. Very in, good. Yeah, at South at South by Southwest, and. Uh, at the time, I, had, I was wearing glasses, and I wanted to go in the pit, and I didn't want like to lose my glasses or have them break on my face, you know. And uh, I was like, "Matty, do you mind holding my glasses?" And he was like, "Yeah, sure, no problem." And he went to use the bathroom, and like bent over, bent, bent over, or leaned over, and the glasses fell out of his the top of his t-shirt. But he bless him, bless the boy, and I'll, I'll never, I'll never like stop loving him for this. He. <laughs> Rather than disappoint me and go, hey, Calvin, I'm really sorry I've lost your glasses. I've dropped them down the toilet. Rather than saying that, he put his hand <laughs> sorry, into the chemical. 
into the chemical toilet on day four of South by Southwest. Oh. It was an outhouse. No! Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude! He had to go elbow deep? Fished, <laughs> fished them out. And then Calvin put them on. And then, cl- <laughs> and then cleaned them for me. And then, obviously, I wore them again. <laughs> yeah. then, then Calvin put them like, in his mouth like a professor. <laughs> no! <laughs> Let me think about that. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, God he, bless the kid. He had dug them out of the toilet, bless him. Yeah. He had dug them out. The least I could do was, you know. Put them in my mouth. I, don't, <laughs> I, I honestly don't think, and I've, I've heard this actually from people like at Live Nation, that, that there was ever a, another band that went into that South by Southwest and just took it over. Like bars, laying passed out drunk in the street. <laughs> Fist fights and bars. <laughs> Man, that was a blast. That was the, those are the days. Yeah, good fun. Yeah. So, Speed round. Lightning round. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First um, album you ever bought. There you go. Sorry? First album you ever bought. Oh, I'm not supposed to be lightning. Uh, Master, <laughs> Master of Puppets by Metallica. Oh, Jesus Christ with Metallica, dude. That's, that's like me saying Jackson Brown. <laughs> he said, I know. Dr. Miles. Metallica. <laughs> listen to Metallica. That was my next question. Can we get a good impression? <laughs> yeah. Um, what was the what was your favorite show either playing or or being a part of like watching or whatever you want to call it? Teching. Oh man. Um Oh. Um, South by So What in Houston, Texas. You guys with Al- asking Alexandria. Yeah, that was that was a fun one um, because we, you know we were just a last minute addition to the bill. Hey, you've got twenty minutes, ten minutes after doors, off you go. You know, and turning up and seeing like a thousand kids going crazy for us when they didn't even know who we were was was quite cool. Um, Funeral Shake did four nights at the Camden Underworld with Canterbats. That's probably my favorite venue and they're one of my favorite bands in terms of just pure dudes being good dudes in a band so those were fun um oh, i'm trying to think man like going to going to sound Soundwave australia they were great you know it was a good experience to go down there and just play to play a giant festival but to do it with my own band was was really good um favorite I mean, favorite gig. Can I can I give you the, my favorite gig to go to? Yes. Is that okay? Can I do that one? Can do whatever. Uh, you want. I saw, I saw Faith No More on their first show back after their sort of seven years time off or whatever it was uh, at Brixton Academy, and it was incredible. They played like two and a half hours, and I, I don't think there was like a single middle-aged dude that wasn't crying his eyes out when they first started. And I was definitely one of those dudes. Uh, and I was just like, this is amazing. If I could go back and, and watch one show again, it'd be that one, I think. You love that band. You have that big old tattoo. I really do. <laughs> I, I do love that band, yeah. It's funny because Mike Patton, I think, had such a, an impact on like this newer generation. Like I know Jacoby from Papa Roach absolutely loves Pop, or not Papa uh, Faith <laughs> No More. He loves Papa Roach. Oh, he does. <laughs> Did you um, read it in the alt press magazine? Yeah, that's <laughs> the burning question. Um, but anyway, that I mean, that's a band that was it was cool. But like, I think the next generation got it even more than the generation that they were originally in. Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I mean, like I said, I I remember 
hearing them in, in 1989, 1990, when my brother had the, the real thing on CD, you know, and I was, I was a fan since then, and I missed them the first time around. Um, like completely missed them the first time around. I was just too young and wasn't able to go to shows on my own at the age of 12, who'd have thought it. And so I, uh, so I never got to see them and I never thought I would, you know, I never thought I'd see them. So when, when they did announce that they were doing shows and coming back and I got the chance to see them, I was like, it, it, it genuinely like sort of shook me a bit. I was like, oh my God, I went, I went to the show on my own because I could only buy one ticket. Um, like, and I drove the whole way there with the ticket in my hand, you know, I was like, I'm not letting go of this fucking thing, like, and, uh, yeah, it was fucking amazing, so, yeah, it's probably my favorite show. I mean, 2020, it hits people like you and, and your wife the hardest in this industry. What did you do in the meantime? Like, what did you do instead of being on tour? Like, what could you do? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's certainly been a quiet year. All I've really, all, all I really did was uh, move from one continent to another, <laughs> get married, and uh, <laughs> and get a green card. So I, <laughs> I guess I had a pretty productive year. Congrats! By, yeah, by we'll try days. harder next time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it, it was a weird one. Like I was, I was on tour. I was playing bass for my friend's band, a band called Nervous from the UK, um, really great band. And uh, I was on tour with them and just filling in for their normal bass player. And I got a call from, from Dee. Like we'd planned, we'd planned to get married. Uh, I had a, had a great best man lined up and uh, we were going to get married like March 24th, I think. And we had this little, very sort of exclusive sort of little ceremony planned and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But um, I got a call from Dee and she was like, you probably want to check the news. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, obviously like Corona had been, it was a thing, but not like we certainly weren't taking it seriously. And, you know, it was, it was something that, as far as I was aware, it was something that was happening in China and in Italy and we didn't really need to worry about. But, you know, you'll get the call from Dee and she's like, yeah, they're, they're shutting the borders, you know, and if you've been in Europe, then you probably need to get here soon. And I was like, oh, I'll be fine. It'll be fine. And I went back to sleep and the next morning I woke up and checked the news and was like, oh, oh no, no, they are actually shutting the borders. Um, and I was look, looked at the fine print crisis like, oh, it's fine if you're traveling from the UK. That's, that's me. I'll be flying from the UK next week. And then I carried on reading the fine print and it was like, Unless you've been in Europe in the past fourteen days, and I'm, I'm, I'm in a, in a sort of uh, Airbnb somewhere in Prague, you know, I'm like, oh, oh, that's me, isn't it? Oh shit! <laughs> and I was like, well, I phoned home to my dad, on, and you know, I'm sort of just, you know, I like to check in with my parents when I'm on tour anyway. But I checked in with Sam, and they were like, I was like, I don't really know what to do, you know, because, you know, the American Border Patrol might not know I've been in Europe, you know. Yeah. So I could just get my original flight next week. You know, how are they going to know? And he's like, it was like, it was so typical of my dad. Like, he, he gave me the piece of advice that, that helped me more than, more than it ever, he probably even meant it to, but it probably wasn't what he meant when he said it, you know. He was like, well, if I were you, I'd have been there in America already. And I'm like, 
yeah, thanks, Dad. I'm not, am I? I'm in bloody Prague, you know. <laughs> but but I get in the van that day and was like, well, what if I was in America already? How do I get to America quickly, you know? And I I ended up um, I ended up getting a flight from Berlin that day. I flew home. I like moved the last of my things out of my house. Uh, delivered my car to my friend as a gift and she drove me to the airport and I went to America and I got to America and I'm, I beat, I got in before the travel ban started with three hours to spare. Wow. And it was one of the most stressful days of my life. But, um, but then again, you know, you're, you're a disaster magnet cause you were in Tokyo when that earthquake hit. Yeah. Yeah. I am a, a bit of a disaster magnet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, as you said, I, my new band We'd been in Tokyo <laughs> for. <laughs> I'd been in Tokyo for all of about four hours when when the uh, the nine point oh magnitude earthquake hit Fuck, that's and, and all that. So yeah, yeah, how, that was that was an was that? exciting day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was a strange one. Um, the band were following behind us. They were they were on a flight later. They hadn't made it yet, but. Matt's wife had flown in, Charlie. She'd flown in to um, to basically spend a few days in in Tokyo with Matt and the band and stuff. This is this is so bullet she was for my Valentine. with bullet for my Valentine, yeah. yeah. And uh, she was there early, and she, she's messaging me. She's like, "Hey, my flight got in before Matt. Like Matt doesn't arrive until later, but I'd like to, you know, I'd like to go out and do some stuff. Would you be up for just like hanging out?" I was like, "Yeah, of cool. course. You know, let's go and explore Tokyo." So. We, you know, we went, we got a cab and we went to a zoo, went to like Shinjuku Zoo. And uh, we literally just pulled up at the zoo when this earthquake happened. And we were like, whoa, okay, kind of crazy. And the cab driver's like freaking out a bit, but we're like, oh, that's kind of exciting. Cool, we've been in an earthquake. Never thought that would happen. You know, didn't realize the scale of it, you know, because you know, why would we? We just thought it was an earthquake, you know. And we walked around the zoo and it was only when we were like, okay, well, I guess, yeah, Matt's probably here by now. So we'll just go back to the hotel. And it was like, well, how do we, uh, how do we get a cab then? Because there were no cars on the streets. Like, well, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll take the railroad, you know, we'll the, the tubes to the underground metro, as you guys call it. And then we'll, just, oh, we'll take that. So we, you know, we go down there and there's just people waving signs and, and flags and whistling. And we're like, no, I'm no expert in Japanese, but I think they're shut. So we you know we're like, okay, well, we'll just start walking then, shall we? And we're like, yeah, all right, fine. And we had this this tiny. It was like the size of an iPhone. It was before anyone had iPhones. We didn't have working cell phones at all. And we had this tiny map about the size of an iPhone. And on one side was the zoo, and directly on the opposite corner of the map was our hotel. And I'm like, okay, that's Tokyo. Okay, well, we'll just start walking then. And we ended up walking back to the hotel. It took like four hours or something to walk back to the hotel. Did and then when we got there, it was only when we got there, we walked into the bar and like all of the crew guys were sat in the lobby waiting for us. They didn't know where we were. And and it was only then that really the, the magnitude of it had hit that, that actually this was a really bad thing and that lots of people had lost their lives and lots of people had lost their sort of their livelihoods and their belongings mm-hmm. in their houses and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, the band, the band flight had been diverted and they weren't going to make it at all. And it was like, okay, well, 
we should probably phone our parents, <laughs> you know, because like we we've been without self service all day, and you know we, didn't, we just didn't know that it was as bad as it was. Could you tell as you were walking, you know, towards and through Tokyo, like was it getting progressively worse? Like, did it feel like a nine point I don't know if that was your first earthquake because sometimes here we'll have something that I'm like, shit, that had to be an eight, and it's like, oh, that was a three. You know what I mean? Because you just never know. They all feel different. Yeah, wherever you, if you're close to the radius of the center. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Bill Nye. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. That was my brain epi- right the now. Epicenter. <laughs> epicenter. There you go. Good. The epic center. <laughs> Good input, Captain Science. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, A fucking nerd. <laughs> I mean, it was. It was my first earthquake, so I couldn't. You know, I didn't really know how to gauge it, but. Certainly, it didn't stop. Like, I've been in earthquakes since that sort of happened for a couple of minutes and they stopped. But this one didn't. It was like really, 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 really bad and then just sort of a little bit bad. And it didn't stop for three days. Like, that sort of steady rumbling sort of continued for the entire time we were there. You know, we all had we all had different like ways of detecting how bad it was like involving like in the hotels, like involving coat hangers and like positioning. If you position a coat hanger hanging from the light, it was, if it's really bad, it will swing and it will hit the, it will hit the light shade. And then you'll know that it's probably time to get out of the building, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We all had, we all had different ways of like figuring out how bad it was, but yeah, that was an exciting day. Aftershock. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I want to tell my favorite Calvin story. This I think this is before I knew you. We're oh, in God. Madison, Wisconsin, right? And the opening band on that tour was a band called Black Tide. Great kids at the time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Calvin's doing his thing. Like Calvin runs. Like I'm gonna let everyone know. Like when there's something going on. Like if if he's in on stage doing his job, he runs that stage, right? Got it. So this kid is just playing his drumsticks over and over, just hitting things. Remember this? And Calvin jumps down off this really high fucking stage in Madison. Breaks both legs. Grab, grabs his sticks and just whips them. <laughs> and then goes back to his job. I'm like, oh, that's my kind of guy. Nice. <laughs> Never saw the guy again. <laughs> and then, then he later got taped up to uh, Poland, Portland. But <laughs> That's why he was like... Oh. You won't talk about Portland. <laughs> yes. You all know, right. no one needs to hear drummers playing drums on their own all day. No. Especially that kid. No one needs that. <laughs> no one needs that. Yeah, we're all we're all got to work. Everyone's got to do their thing. Just stop playing the fucking drums all day, <laughs> please. And then yeah, and then you got t- you got taped up to the pole in Portland. That was another good one. <laughs> He's like, stop talking That's about that. One, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Moving on. All right. All right I have another question for this lightning round that's been going really fast. <laughs> um, if that's okay with you. What's, what's next for Calvin Ruffy, if I'm saying that correctly? Yes, it's Calvin. You, yeah, you're saying that right. Um, well, I think it all kind of depends on, on how long the pandemic runs on for. Um, I need to get a job, honestly. Um I'm now able to work in America. I've got my green card interview very soon. So hopefully this process will soon be over for me. Um, it's been very long, by the way. Um, if I've got a job interview next week, uh, no, in fact, tomorrow. Ooh, prepare. Um, I've got a job interview tomorrow. So hopefully I'll have a job, uh, at least until touring comes back. 
Um, and then as soon as as soon as we were all able to get back out on the road and into buses and on flights and have a kind of normal life, I I really just kind of want to go back to my normal life. Like I, I miss I miss guitar teching, and it's been great. I've been very lucky that I've got to spend a solid year with my with my lady. You know, and we've got a new place to live in Nashville, and it's it's been really good. I I couldn't have I couldn't have lucked out any more than I had to some degree because even though even though we have been in the pandemic like at least I've got to spend it with someone awesome and I've been really lucky that's one but that said I I definitely like I definitely want and she feels the same like she tours too like we both definitely miss we miss waking up somewhere different every day we miss having like having a job to do we miss having a purpose and you know as much as as much as the fans have missed live music musicians and touring crew have missed giving it to them yeah it's the pirate life i mean just it's the longest i've been home in in decades and i just i'm going crazy calvin i'm gonna be honest with you i think I'm, he's murdered someone <laughs> i'm about to murder someone <laughs> i'm really but about just to keep that someone. between us don't Kill say yeah. yeah when you when you find the body you'll know who it is <laughs> um can I, can I send you some no okay yes yes yeah bono and dave mustaine before we go, oh, let's fucking. let's talk about how I, hate Bono. I know. So so one time we we were at Live Nation and there was a Bono impersonator. <laughs> Calvin, this is in LA, right? <laughs> on Hollywood. Calvin <laughs> Calvin thinks it's the real Bono, so he goes off like that would have made it better. Like like we're going to meet, like have a very important meeting, and he's freaking out. I don't even remember what you're saying. And I'm just like, what is happening? And you're yelling at this poor guy who's trying to look like Bono. <laughs> and then, and then the second story I can't tell because you never know. You might work for this person. Hmm. Probably Bono. not. <laughs> but we, no, I he almost it. put a hit on someone. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, tell it. You, you know when you, uh, when you turn around and start walking in one direction without really looking where you're going, you just sort of turn around and start walking at a sort of pace. And someone else does the same thing, and, and you very nearly have a collision. Well, that that happened in a catering area with Dave Mustaine, and at the time, Dave Mustaine looked kind of somewhat old and frail. Yeah. And I didn't. And I think had I accidentally barged into him, purely accidentally as well, I think he probably might have died a bit. <laughs> Just a bit. He looked horrible. It would have been blown out. <laughs> and and you came back and you're like, "Did you see that?" I'm like, "Yeah." And you're like, "I should have done it." It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Should have done it. <laughs> your one chance, dude. Should have put your cheese puff fingers uh, on him. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, look at Oswald. God. He just yeah. did it. What? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway, Calvin, I love you, and I think these guys like you as well. No, we you. love you. Yeah, we love you. Oh, you guys. Love. I look forward to seeing you, whether I'm staying in your house because I'm inviting myself, <laughs> or we're yeah, out on the road somewhere. We got yeah, I got. I am. I'm coming down there to do some business. In, a, in probably the summertime. Mm. Check out some of those Lincoln logs. Well, <laughs> yeah. Up close and personal. Yeah, please quit sending me pictures of your shit. I'll see it in person. <laughs> yeah. Next time I see you. Uh, I mean, I can't make that promise. But. I know. Hey, look who's here. Someone just came in. We're all white women in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Up, all right, man? we're going to go because Keelan's making me nervous, and we just had someone else walk in the office. I love you. You know that. I love you. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you, Calvin. Thank you. Bye.